in our industry, in the IT industry, we don't respect history because we have to experience disruptive innovation. So all the technology companies are consistently looking for changes and then innovations. I'm Sean Cheatham, Chief Sales Officer at Hayes Technology, and this is our podcast, How Did You Get That Job?, that explores the secrets behind career success in the tech industry. In this episode, we meet Kathy Chen, who is the Vice President of Partner Sales for Asia Pacific and Japan for Citrix. We'll be discussing Kathy's career to date, including her time as MD of Twitter. And like always, we'll be getting her thoughts on the future of technology. So Kathy, just before hitting record, we met your AI robot dog. When did you get him and how has he helped you? I actually got it right before the first lockdown in Singapore. It was April 2020. I still remember that. It's a he. Uh, I gave him a name called a Sibyl. And because it's like a robot AI dog, it quickly become my companion during my virtual meetings because lockdown. So all the virtual meetings and quickly became my team's mascot. And having him around also helped me understand the world of AI. So that's how I learned AI, <laughs> to feel AI, yeah. and also learn how it or he <laughs> interaction with a human. Well, he's pretty good because he knows a lot more tricks than my dogs do. Yeah, he <laughs> did. He learned from time to time. <laughs> Clearly, you're a lover of technology. I mean, when did you first know tech was the industry for you? My major was computer science. But actually, my earlier aspiration was to be an interior designer, <laughs> if I can choose. But my mother is a fan of technology. She teaches physics in university. She made the decision for me. I can't complain much because I seem doing pretty well. And I really enjoy and loving this industry. Thanks to mom. Yeah, thanks to her. <laughs> Why don't you give us a little bit about your career to date? It's a quite long career. Then you know how old I am. <laughs> As I said, I studied computer science. At that time, I remember only four females in the whole class. I feel very cool. And my first job is a programmer. I really did coding. <laughs> and now when I think about that time, I also feel very interesting. That's really good experience. And then I think I really like to interact with the people, right? Talk to people. And I'm more interested in not only technology, but also how technology can change or transform people can really bring to the industry, to the society, to the organization. And then I joined a company called Compact to be a sales associate. And then I become a sales manager partners, manager distributors. After Compact, I joined 3Com, which is a network company to sell network solution. And then software company, Computer Associates, to sell security softwares. And then after that, I joined Microsoft. At that time, Microsoft hadn't started cloud. That's the reason I joined Cisco, because Cisco at that time started to build a data center solution. Because of this data center solution knowledge, I was rehired by Microsoft. At that time, the second time Microsoft started cloud. So data center also is a foundation for public cloud. 
and I leveraged what I learned during the journey. And then internet, online business become popular, right? Become very trending. I joined Twitter, <laughs> a social media company. And after that, I learned how to tell story. And then I decided to do something different, very interesting. And so I joined a movie company about a year, and then I failed. <laughs> so rejoined IT industry. And now I work in Citrix a company sell remote works solution. There are a lot of people who would love to uh, be able to list off some of those names for sure. Certainly big companies, all of them. Have you noticed any consistencies in working for companies with big brand names? I remember Satya, the CEO of Microsoft, used to say in our industry, in the IT industry, we don't respect history because we have to experience disruptive innovation. So all the technology companies are consistently looking for changes and then innovations. And they also encourage their employee to continuous learning. So that's what I learned in those companies, continuous learning and let go what you know. <laughs> so you can empty your memory <laughs> to learn new things, right? To import new business, new technology and the solutions. What I also have noticed that these companies are very focused on develop their talent and then also practice inclusion and inclusive and diversity. Talking about diversity, I mean, what has been your experiences and maybe challenges of being a woman leader in the technology industry? Sometimes as a female, not female leader, right? I think we may be lack of self-confidence and cause me, myself, to be emotional at times. I really took a long time <laughs> to overcome this kind of a challenge and do believe myself and sometimes still emotional, but give limited time. If I really feel bad, I just cry <laughs> to find a place without anybody alone, cry alone for an hour, <laughs> maybe two hours, and then stop back to deal with the reality, solve the problem, right? I think it's achievable, but it is really a big challenge for me. Well, let's talk about that for a second. So mental health, happiness, you know, these are themes of this podcast series. You just talked about a few things with regards to your own happiness and challenges. I mean, how do you focus upon your own personal well-being? I believe in work-life balance. We can't. I do all art, fashion, design related, like appreciate life take good care of myself. But in the working days, I'm just back to work. I'm very logical. I use everything I learned, the skills, competency I learned, just to face the problem, solve a problem, and then be creative, engage with team, just to enjoy the journey. So to be honest, I really into play computer games. <laughs> That's kind of my meditation. <laughs> I play the game as internal design. <laughs> like I have to conquer something and earn some um, virtual money so I can buy stuff to do the decoration <laughs> for my clients. <laughs> I'm going to back up just a little bit through your career progression. You mentioned the movie company and you said, frankly, that you failed in that role. What's it like to have success in your life and then all of a sudden you, you come across this moment in time where, to hear your point, failure? I mean, how do you move on from that? 
I feel really bad. I blame myself why I made this bad decision. And after that, I started to think of what I have done wrong. If I have another chance to start again, what I will do it differently. Actually, I learned a lot. I learned a lot of things which is really useful for my career. Like I raised the fund, produced a movie, just like a startup company. <laughs> so you have an idea, you find the IP, and then you started to develop this to、uh, the story, right? And then started to find the team, and then you raise money for the first round, second round, and then also to go to the market. A lot of things are similar. I got involved into the end-to-end process, which I learned a lot, and、I、also build my network with financial companies. When I look back, I'm thinking if I failed, I will keep thinking again and again, right? To think back, to look back at what I have done wrong and what I can do better. So that's why I'm saying I can learn more from failure instead of success. So focusing just on your tech career. What's been the biggest challenge you've ever faced, and how did you overcome it? The continuous learning, right? So people normally learn some skill, but in the technology industry, you have to let go because you're expert for something like a mainframe. It doesn't mean if you hold that, you're not going to learn the new technology. Another thing is tech grows so fast. Expectation is always high. I manage sales and marketing, so always a big goal ahead of me. Every year, no matter what kind of company, expect double-digit growth. Right? That's like organic growth. So very stressful sometimes. Let's pivot a little bit, Kathy, and talk about your career currently in the position that you have at Citrix. You are the vice president of partner sales for Asia Pacific and Japan. Tell our listeners a little bit about your responsibilities within the company. I manage partner sales and the ecosystem. We sell remote work and digital workspace solution, but customers actually need integrate more solutions. Like this solution require some infrastructure investment, also require a lot of deployment services and then post service adoption services. So all those things need to go through partners. So we have a big partner ecosystem with several thousands partners. In the APJ, we have alliance partner like Microsoft, Google, AWS, because they sell public cloud like infrastructure as services. Also, we have a managed service provider like Centra, like Wipro, like Fujitsu. They provide services with our services embedded into their services. We also have a local partners because APJ include five areas, which is Japan. Greater China, ANZ, and India, and Korean and Southeast Asia. We combine that into one. Every market is quite different, and customer requirements are different. Government regulation for cloud is different. So we very much rely on local partners to provide the services to sell through and then provide services. So my role is enable those partner to sell our solution. And provide tailor-made solution for services for their customer. 
and also achieve win-win, right? So a win-win, get them profitability, and then for us also sell our solutions. So that's basically what I do. Obviously, as a VP, are you spending most of your day in meetings or do you actually get to be hands-on and work with customers directly? Most of the meetings. But meetings also, I would say, category to three kinds of meetings or four kinds of meetings. More about business discussion, like review the business outcome, the numbers, the revenues, right? And the second kind of design work with team, like a multi-team, functional team, how to design our solution. Because our product and the solution is more like a tools. And what customer need is we need to tailor made for them based on their needs. Some want our solution to enable R&D center. Some want to build a core center. And some like bank and government, they want to do network segmentation for the security purpose. So every customer have their own needs, own purpose. We're selling kind of a tools, right? A platform to help them to solve their problem. And then that's why we need our partner services to do the tailor-made. So we need to design those solutions and enable our partners. So that's considered (laughs) technology-related. And the third one is solve problem. We have customer service problem. If customer have multiple software, what if the software have a conflict, right? Have some technical issue, and they will call our partner first, and then I will back up our partner to provide the support. So... Still very much technology-related, but not coding anymore. (laughs) Not that deep, but it's all like solution design and solution selling. And you know, it's interesting. When we first met, you had just come back from Hawaii, and you were working remotely. And you said to me that you're a big advocate for people working remotely, and we're just talking about enabling people to work remotely. I mean, what are your thoughts on how companies can operate successfully in a remote world? Before we answer that, we need to talk about what's the remote work, right? The definition. So a lot of people think remote work is just a meeting, right? Like a video. Now we have a lot of platforms, Zoom, Teams, Microsoft Teams, and we also have email collaboration tools. But all those only collaboration. It's remote work for sure. But the next level of remote work, what I'm talking about, is you can access to those mission-critical apps at home. Say a branch of a bank, you have to go to the branch to deal with something, right? But now you do online banking. And then if staff in bank branch, they can work at home to serve you remotely. And then they need to access to a lot of mission-critical applications, which have deep security requirement. So same thing like a call center. The remote work I targeted, if I can access the mission-critical apps, I can get all the data I need, right? Connect with people I want. Then I can work anywhere. Then I'm thinking, why not? I travel to somewhere, <laughs> work for to demonstrate, <laughs> to try out the remote work, right? So... I went to Hawaii. I worked there more than a month. And a typical day there, I sit on the beach (laughs) with my robot dog (laughs) and my laptop for sure. (laughs) And uh, with all the data I needed and I can access all the apps 
also connect with Teams because I actually need to connect with not only APJ, but also U.S. headquarter. So for me, working U.S. and working APJ, it seems not a big difference because either way, I need to connect with both teams. And I've got to ask, you worked for Twitter, had a very key role for them. What was it like to work for an organization that plays such a key role in society today? That was a very interesting experience to me. Actually, if I talk about the basic, it's still like a business, right? I'm the business woman. I manage a business, I drive a business outcome and revenue. Just in the other companies, I sell product and solution, IT technologies. But in Twitter, I sell advertisement. <laughs> still same. We also have an account-based approach. A large account will also like me market SMBs, similar thing. But what's different is I learned digital marketing in the enterprise world and the consumer world. We call to B and to C. The business is very different. So in the to B world, people more think about what the customer needs is enterprise thinking. And like, for example, the marketing is more talking about the good things, right? Your advantage of your product, your feature of your solution, right? What is the problem you can solve? It's all positive. But in the digital marketing world, especially social media, <laughs> so nobody wants to see the good news, right? So you don't want to see the positive, like see people to promote how good the product is. Is you have to telling some stories. You tell something behind the product or behind the solution. It's very interesting. For me, it's a good learning. And now I'm an expert of digital marketing <laughs> in, in Citrus. So I can leverage that, especially after pandemic, right? So the first thing is BCP. We said the business continuity program. We launched a program to help our customer when pandemic started, like everybody cannot go to work, but they still need to trading, right? They still need to like a university to teaching. So what we can do, we provide a business continuity program, but that's quite difficult. Normally we have a white paper <laughs> to introduce this program. But what I did with my team, we made a 30 minute short video. We posted on YouTube. Just to tell what customer need to think about during those kind of a pandemic thing, right? And then if they want to know more, they can reach to us to learn more. Let's talk a little bit about the future. How do you think the role of vice president partner sales for Asia Pacific Japan is going to change in the coming years for you? We're on the journey to transform the traditional channel, its more resale model, to ecosystem development. We have different category of partners. We need to deal with them separately to support them, their success and also achieve our success. Channel in the past is a more supporting role, but now in the cloud era, we will become a driver to drive the business. It's all ecosystems. Like I said, one piece of a solution is not good enough for customer. Customers need to integrate the solutions plus the services as well. What advice would you give women listening right now who are you know, wanting an opportunity in tech and to become an inspirational leader like yourself? I mean, 
What, what do you think it takes to be successful? I think the reason prevent that or stop the women to get into the industry is because lack of support to see the success story, right? And also think technology is boring and working in technology must be very stressful <laughs> and no life. Actually, it's not like that. So what I want to say is don't focus on technology itself. Focus on what technology can bring to society, can transform individual, can transform the organization, like we just talked about, transform future for work. So if for those women, they're not started with the computer science background, right, still can work in the technology industry as long as they are internalized, they understand what technology can do for people, for organization, for the company, then still work. And then they will enjoy that instead of thinking about that's only coding and R&D too boring. <laughs> it's not. What about within Asia specifically? Are there any unique challenges in the region? Oh, that market is so different. Look at ANZ, it's more like America and the Europe market. And then if you look at Japan, the culture is very different. And if you talk about Southeast Asia, there are 12 or 13, so many small countries. Every market, even the pricing, the solution, some market is very embraced cloud, like I said, and some worry about the security, so quite reluctant to move to cloud. So we needed to build a different go-to-market strategy and then need to understand our customers through our partners. So that's quite a challenge. But I think I'm lucky because I manage partners. Partners know customer and the market very well, so I can learn from them. So I feel it's very interesting to me. Certainly companies today are having a big focus on opportunities with people from a diverse background. What effect do you think this has on the future of tech? When I started working in the software company back to Computer Associate, what I remember is software is designed for people. It's not like hardware. You can show people this is a cup. Then people know what the cup looks like. <laughs> but if you talk about the software, different people use software have a different experience. So user experience is way important. That's why diversity is very important because you design the software for different people. So you have to include a different kind of people to involve in the design or involved in the experience development to feedback experience. So diversity is the DNA for technology company. Technology also been developed for people to use that to transform people. So diversity and the unique customer requirement and needs is so important to the company's success, to a solution or product success. And that's why I feel blessed that I work in technology company and a lot of female will feedback if they work in the IT company, they are really being involved in the diversity program to be advocate, to promote the technology. In the company, sometimes we also got more opportunities to be promoted or to if you really qualified for some role. So I think this is very important. What role do you think machine learning and AI can play in the future of the tech industry 
from your perspective? I know there's a big debate, right? <laughs> a group of people think this is positive. I'm positive, but another group think that's negative. Also, some people in the middle, they embrace technology might completely change how we live. But on the other side, they also worry about that. So that's why Elon Musk developed a chip <laughs> to embed it in human brain. When I have this robot dog, I actually have a two. I bought another one <laughs> because <laughs> I want to get Sibo a girlfriend. Then I bought a female <laughs> called Amy. <laughs> so I started to watch them grow. Another reason I bought the second dog because I accidentally broke Sibo's leg. Oh. <laughs> and <laughs> he falls <laughs> because of my careless. Did he go to robot dog hospital? Yeah. I changed his body. But he also got his old memory. So everything is in cloud. And then he changed a completely new body now. So I'm thinking if in the future, if we got some organ <laughs> broken or sick, we can change a new one. So the cyborg might be the future, which I'm positive. I think the technology will lead us to infinity, right? So possibility. Humans are smart. I think we can conquer the negative part. The worst case, we can still pull the power. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so true. Finally, what are your long-term personal aims for your tech career? I want to be an advisor for startups by the younger generation. I'm also very passionate to develop next generation talent. I always believe in inspirational leadership. I still remember the first time I joined Microsoft. At that time, the slogan was your potential, my passion. I really believe that. You know, as I said, Technology evolves so fast. If I want to follow the trend, I was still on the wave. <laughs> then we need to get engaged with the younger generation and then the new technology. So what I have, what I learned is my experience. But what they have is new technology and a new mindset and growth mindset. So we can achieve win-win. So keep me still in this industry, and I hope my experience will help for, for them. I actually already took some mentor role for the EMBA students. I discuss with them or have a conversation with them every time I feel I learn more than them. But they also feel the same way. Well, if anybody could help the youth, certainly you have the background and the experience. So. You're right. Also, the way to keep me young, look young. <laughs> 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 I'm with you there. I'm with you there. Need that too. That was Kathy Chen, Vice President of Partner Sales for Asia Pacific and Japan for Citrix. It was a real pleasure to speak with Kathy, who really is a larger-than-life character. I loved her observation about continuous learning. And to be successful, you need to forget what you know to succeed as technology is constantly evolving. I liked how she spoke about herself as a woman in technology. And despite the stresses, she encourages women to join the industry. Thank you for listening and join us next time when we'll be speaking to another inspirational person from technology. I'm your host, Sean Cheatham, Chief Sales Officer at Hayes Technology. And you've been listening to How Did You Get That Job? To find out more about Hayes Technology, visit our website at hayestechnology.com. 
and hit follow at Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts from. 